Welcome to the October 1st sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is Mark chapter 14, verses 12 through 26, and the sermon is entitled, This Do in Remembrance of Me, delivered today by Pastor Jeffrey Campbell. Grab your Bibles, go to the book of Mark chapter number 14, and my prayer is this, as we get going this morning, that indeed, that we allow God to have our hearts. Certainly, when we gather on a Lord's Supper uh, Sunday, I come with a different attitude. It's one of reverence. It's one of remembrance. And I'm grateful that we get to honor and celebrate that together as we look at what the Lord did for every single one of us. We gather as believers, and we may call it different things. The Lord's Supper, some people may call it communion. Holy Communion or Eucharist, but all point to a celebration of thanksgiving of Christ shedding His blood for us. And so today, as we look in God's Word, I want to help lead us in a time of devotion as we center our hearts. No, we're not in in 1 Peter today. We'll get back there next week. But I think it's important in my own conviction and the encouragement from others And to center ourselves and our hearts on the Sundays that we remember the Lord's Supper. And we remember what Christ has done for every single one of us. I grew up in the Methodist church. We celebrated the Lord's Supper the beginning of every month. Twelve times a year we would remember that. There are some churches that celebrate it every week. The Baptist church celebrates it every quarter, but I believe Christians need to celebrate it every single day. Because we need to remember the importance every day of Christ's work to redeem us, and I'm grateful for that. The purpose of Jesus instituting the Lord's Supper was for us to remember. But this isn't a remembrance of something that is dead It should be a reverent, holy act. Not that we just scoff down a wafer and some juice, but we remember what those elements represent. And we remember what Christ did for us. Today, this is a living remembrance. Because we do not serve a a God that is dead. We serve a living God that is victorious over the grave and that lives within our hearts. And so today... This is a reverent moment as we remember, but it is a moment in which we celebrate the work of the Lord. Throughout the Old Testament, you can read through Scripture how God instituted through the Mosaic Law festivals and feasts in the Old Testament that people will remember the work of God. Now, I want to be clear. We are released from that. We don't have to do those feasts and festivals anymore But it is good to know what they mean. It is good to remember. One thing in the New Testament we're commanded to do is this. We are to celebrate and remember the Lord's Supper. We are commanded by Jesus himself to do this often in remembrance of me. I'm not here to debate the often and how often we should do that. But today we are here to remember. Mark chapter number 14, go there with me today as we look at Scripture beginning at verse number 12. 
The first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover, his disciples said unto him, Where will thou that we go and prepare that thou mayest eat the Passover? And he sent forth two of his disciples and said unto them, Go ye into the city, there shall meet you a man bearing a pitcher of water, follow him. And wheresoever he shall go in, say ye to the good man of the house, the master saith, Where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room, furnished and prepared, there make ready for us. Verse number 16, and his disciples went forth and came into the city and found as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. Three points today that I want to get, give you in this sermon titled, This Do in Remembrance of Me. The first point is, is this, that we need to look back at the faithfulness of God. This supper is more than what we do today. It is what God has done in the past and what He will continue to do in the future as He has promised. But the question in the beginning from the disciples was simply this question. Where are we going to hold the Passover meal? Where will we hold this meal? They needed a room. They needed a sizable room because of their party. And as you see, Jesus already has it worked out. And that's something that we forget today in our faith if we do not trust Him. That Jesus already has it worked out. There are times and there are things that we are worrying about that guess what? Jesus already has it worked out. We just have to be obedient. So as the disciples are making ready for the Passover meal, they, they, they realize we don't have a big enough place to observe it. What are we going to do? Jesus has it worked out. He said, what you're going to do, you're going to go out and you're going to see a man that is carrying a pitcher of water. Just follow him. He'll lead you right where you need to be. Now, you may say that's crazy because in this day, there were probably lots of people carrying water. Yes, but listen, it was the responsibility of the woman to fetch the water. So a man carrying a pitcher of water, it was a pitcher heaped up on a shoulder or a head as they would carry that water. But there would be a man doing it. Many of you remember the story of the woman at the well. She went to get water. It was the women's responsibility. So a man carrying water, that would stand out. Once you see this man carrying the pitcher of water, you need to follow him. Wherever he goes, you go to that house. And that's where we will partake of the Passover. You go and prepare. I want you to know there are times that we think that we need to get things in order in, if, in, in order to follow Christ and Here's the thing, the greatest thing that we need to get in order, don't hate me for this, is ourselves. Is ourselves. If you were like me this morning, maybe you woke up and you rushed to just get to church and get there on time. And God bless you if you've got children to do that. God bless you. I remember those days. The teenage years aren't much different. You just got to work harder to get them out of bed, okay? Sorry, boys. I know that we come with so much on our heart. 
and so much on our mind, and we come rushed. And many times, even for worship, not much less the Lord's Supper, our hearts are in such a scurry that we miss the whole part and miss the whole point of worship. And so today, as we look back at what Christ has done, I want to encourage you, just for a few minutes, don't look at your watch. We're not bound by time. Jim Hooker tells me I'm done at 12. I know that. You're not bound by time. Here's what I want you to know. We're bound by what God needs us to take care of here. If you want to read about the feast of unleavened bread in verse number 12 that is mentioned, you can go to Exodus chapter 12 and you can go and you can read how important this was in the Mosaic law and to the people of Israel. But as they practiced uh, this and prepared for it, uh, there was a lot, a lot of things that were going on. And here's what I want you to see. As, as the disciples rushed to do this, uh, the Old Testament in Exodus chapter 12 tells us about a lamb that was slaughtered in the first Passover and his blood was smeared across the doorpost and the lentil of the home that, that the Lord would pass over and not kill the firstborn of that family. You remember that story, right? I don't need to preach that to you. You remember that story. But they also were encouraged in the festival of, of unleavened bread to comb their homes to rid their homes of any leaven, any change agent in their home, and get rid of it all. And so imagine, this is what I want you to imagine in today's time. If you were to celebrate this festival, you would have to get, any, get rid of anything that had leaven and get rid of it out of the house. They would have to do an extra cleaning in the home to make sure there was nothing there. Leaven in the Bible is often equated with sin. But it is a change agent when you think of bread. It causes the bread to rise. It is the change agent. And so the festival of unleavened bread was also a reminder. The haste that they had to leave Egypt with. As they were kicked out and put on their own. They were kicked out of that place and they had to go quickly. And so there was no time. This feast carries meaning. And so as the disciples are preparing for Passover and preparing to celebrate the feast, I want you to see they are making preparations to do so. As we look back today at the faithfulness of God to honor His promise to the people of Israel, but also we look back to a cross and the faithfulness of Jesus Christ to be that payment, to be the one who took, takes our sin that we no longer are bound by the law. We are thankful for that. Jesus was getting ready to bring new meaning to an old celebration. He would be the sacrifice lamb. His blood would be shared. His blood would be poured for the forgiveness of the change agent. Sin of the people. Through the celebration of the Lord's Supper, here's what I'm afraid of. It's gotten swept under the rug as a little bit of juice and a wafer that does not taste very well. If that is your heart's thought, you're totally off base. Today, 
The most precious substance is represented in what you hold in your hand. The life and the blood of Jesus Christ, our Savior. So as we approach this table, we must look back to what Jesus has done for us. The second place you need to look, look at verses 17 through 21. And in the evening he cometh with the twelve. And as they sat and did eat, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, one of you which eateth with me shall betray me. And they began to be sorrowful and saying to him one by one, Is it I? And another said, Is it I? And he answered and said unto them, It is one of the twelve that dippeth with me in the dish. The Son of Man indeed goeth, as it is written of him, But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. Good were, uh, good, uh, were it if, that he, if the man had never been born. Excuse me, I got tongue tied there. This is pretty important. First, you need to look back. The second place, maybe the hardest place, as we approach the Lord's Supper, is you got to look inward. You need to look inward at your own heart. Throughout this text, verses 17 through 21, you see the words, one, 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 I, I, I. And that man, in verse number 21, woe unto that man. As Jesus proclaims, there's someone in the room. There's someone in the room that will betray me. Everybody begins to search themselves and to question themselves. Is it me? Is it I? No, I was not there and I do not want to add to God's word. But in, in today's time, maybe our thought would be, maybe it's... I know it's not me. I know it's not me. If you ever approach God with, with the thought that it's not you, He can't use you. You can't be the problem. You can't be the issue. It's got to be somebody else. You might be approaching Him wrong. When I bow and pray, I pray for a lot of people. And I'm not saying that boastfully. That's my job. But the first person that I need to pray and make sure that's right in, in their life and following Jesus is the person that you're looking at today. It starts with me. And before I lead a holy people in worship, my heart's got to be right. Before I lead you in prayer and study of God's Word, my heart's got to be right. And as I approach the Lord's table and am thankful for what He's done, my heart must be right. And so I find myself examining just like these early disciples did. Lord, is it me? Is it me that would hinder anything about your great name? Is it me that is restricting the blessing of your hand upon the church? Is it me that is causing somebody to stumble in their belief? Is it me? As we approach this table today, I want you to ask yourself that same question. The early disciples pondered one to another, is it I? Is it I? Maybe today, you heard an invitation to Jesus over and over and over, and you've never accepted that invitation. The Holy Spirit has never 
pricked your heart. Maybe he's pricked, but you haven't responded. Is it you? Is it you this morning who, who comes in? Yes, we're all sinful people, but is, is sin the object of your worship? Is it you? Is it I? That hinders you from the Lord's Supper. Is it I, as we approach the Lord's Supper, that would betray my Savior? Yes, we throw the lump of betrayal on Judas, but many Christians today betray their Lord. And amen goes right there. Is it I? These are not words of condemnation. These are words of thought. As we bring our imperfect lives before our Holy Savior, we must look inward at ourselves before we look outward at anyone else. I am not your judge. Jesus is. But it is my job to point you that direction that you may look at Him more by first looking within. Today, I'm going to insert the invitation right here. Because maybe it is you that has for many years felt the Holy Spirit knocking, leading, pulling, and you've never responded to give Him everything about you. Maybe you have surrendered in a prayer or a thought. You think you're saved. You did all the things that you were told to. You prayed the prayer. But maybe you've not fully surrendered at all. Is that you? Today, look at me. I want everyone's attention. Don't turn your eyes away from me. This is the most important part of the sermon. Today, if it is you that the Lord desires your heart... And the Holy Spirit is pursuing. Today, don't you dare run from that. The best thing that I ever did was run to Jesus. Is it you? We look back. We look inward at what the Lord wants to do in our lives. And that three-word question, is it I, resonates deep down in our hearts. But there is some scripture that I want to share from 1 Corinthians chapter number 11 that speak to you and I as we approach the Lord's Supper. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11 starting with verse number 28. But let a man or a woman examine himself or herself so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily Eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. I want to encourage you as I finish out this sermon, and we're going to give a very special time before we go to the Lord's table. For examination. It's not your job to look at the people that you sit beside or around you. Or even across or up or down. It's your job to look within as we approach this Lord's Supper together. 
The third point, verses 22 through 26. And as they did eat, Jesus took bread and blessed and broke it and gave to them and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said unto them, This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many. Verily I say unto you, I will drink no more of the fruit of the vine until that day that I drank it new in the kingdom of God. And when they had sung in him, they went out into the Mount of Olives. That, my friends, is the Lord's Supper. Yes, we need to look back. Yes, we need to look in. And the third point today is you simply need to look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. As Jesus instituted this very important meal, he would bring to it new definition and new meaning than it ever had. It should be a point that feeds your soul and more than just a sip of juice and a wafer, the body of Christ and the blood of Christ given and shed for every person in this world. Blessed, broken, given. The words in Scripture, look at verse number 22. As they did eat, Jesus took the bread and blessed it. He broke it and he gave it to them. The most perfect man in all the world, Jesus himself, is the sole representative of God the Father. His life would literally be broken before all the world. And he would give it. Give it as the ultimate sacrifice for the forgiveness of sin. There are many that have differing beliefs of what happens here. I'm not throwing any shade. The Catholics think that this actually becomes the body and the bread. I don't believe that. But I do believe this is a holy, holy point of remembrance. Here is my body. Broken for you. That is what Jesus is saying. And today, if our eyes during the supper go anywhere other than Jesus and ourselves, we are partaking the wrong way. I'm grateful today that as we look at this supper and we're about to go to the table that we need to do that. There's one thing that I want to point your attention to in verse number 24. The blood was shed for many. I underline those three words in my Bible. Shed for many. And that is my focus this Lord's Supper, this special day. Because the blood was not just for me. Even though this is a a personal time for me, the blood of Jesus was shed for many. And yet God's word tells us in Matthew 7, 14, Straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leads to life. And few be that find it. The blood was shed for many, but few find it. So today, 
as I approach this table. My mind has been contemplating this thought. The many and the few. As a pastor of this church, as a witness in this community, a place that I've lived all my life, it is my job and it is my duty as a Christian to tell of the blood that was shed for many. It is our job as a church to witness that way. Shed for many. It is also my responsibility, church, to think of the few. And here's the reality. There are people, maybe even people sitting in this sanctuary or watching live stream today that think they're okay and they're not. Because truly they have not surrendered their heart. So as we approach this table, I first want you to remember the great things and the faithfulness of our holy God. I want you to look inward at your own heart and those things that may cause you not, not to be able to partake this time because there's something going on that you must deal with and that you've got to allow the Lord to help you with. But also, as we look to Jesus, I cannot help but see the many that are missing Him. Because the Bible said the blood was shed for many. And the verse tells me few will find it. That means many will miss it. Both of these verses call our hearts to serving our great God. So in the moment of invitation, before we approach the Lord's Supper, how is the Lord dealing with you? What is the Lord calling you to pray about, to get rid of, to lay down? What does the Lord have your attention on to, to look back at His faithfulness? Today, as we approach Him in a time of invitation, maybe there's one heart in which the Holy Spirit has been dealing with. Maybe you need to surrender to the Lord and allow Him to be your Savior. Surrender every area of your life. In this moment of invitation, before we approach the table, it is crucial. And we want to give the Lord the opportunity to work. And so I want to bow our hearts together today. Father, today, Lord, we are thankful. We are thankful, Lord, for the great meaning and the teaching from the Old Testament of the Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. God, we thank you for your faithfulness Throughout all generations. Lord as we are able to look back 2,000 years to a cross. We are thankful for the faithfulness of our Lord. The perfect Lamb of God. To lay down His life. For all sin. Lord today. In a moment of surrender. Maybe there's one that needs to trust their life, their heart, their future, their relationship with you is nothing, Lord, today that could be changed. Thank you, Lord. As we look back, we see the work on the cross. 
Lord, we're thankful. Lord, as we look in, God, we look at hearts that are not perfect, lives that are not lived perfectly. But Lord, if there is something that allows us to approach this table unworthily, Lord, we pray that you would bring that to our heart's eyes. And because of that, and because we don't have time just this moment to, to take care of that and to make it right, Lord, maybe there, there has to be someone that says, I can't do this today. Lord, for our sin-soaked world, God, we lift it to you. That as we look to you, Lord, you that you will allow us to see the many that are without you. The desperation of a hurting world that is before us. And yet the great gospel that we have, Lord, that we were able to take it to them. Lord, let us see the many. The many that need you. God, give us that heart, Lord, I pray. A moment of invitation, Lord, we pray that you lead us as only you can. In Christ's name, amen. Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For more information about our church, please call our church office at 434-946-0555.